This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. A program that began last year brought people to West Virginia who could work remotely. One of the big enticements was tourism and outdoor recreational opportunities. Why do you want to go out there? Like, there's nothing there. And it's like, well, it sounds like a fun adventure. That story and more this West Virginia Morning. Mon Power customers could see their bills go up on January 1st. Curtis Tate has more. Mon Power has asked the West Virginia Public Service Commission to recover nearly $184 million from its customers. That accounts for the sharply higher cost of coal and natural gas, as well as power purchased from the regional grid. If the PSC approves the request, Monpower's nearly 400,000 West Virginia customers would see their bill go up, on average, $11 a month. The average residential customer, using 1,000 kilowatt-hours a month, could expect to pay $126, up from $115. The PSC will hold an evidentiary hearing on the request in Charleston on December 8th. The PSC is also considering a request by Appalachian Power to recover $297 million from its West Virginia ratepayers. Their bills could go up, on average, $18 a month. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Curtis Tate in Charleston. Last week, the state Supreme Court lifted an injunction against the Hope Scholarship Program. As Chris Schultz reports, the program's governing board must now address delays and issues the injunction caused for the program to move forward. The Hope Scholarship Board held an emergency meeting Wednesday afternoon to discuss the program's next actions after an October 6th ruling by the Supreme Court lifted an injunction against the program. The board discussed and adopted a new section to the legislative rules of the program, addressing eligibility and payment issues caused by the injunction. Most notably, Deputy Treasurer of Savings Programs Amy Willard explained applicants who sent their students to public school for the fall semester will receive a prorated amount. So the students who went ahead and went to non-public school would receive the full amount. We know that there are some students who are currently attending public school. They would not be entitled to the full amount. The July 6th injunction from the Kanawha County Circuit Court was handed down just a month before the start of the school year. Many families were counting on the Hope Scholarship to help pay for private tuition. Willard said Hope Scholarship recipients likely won't see any money until January. She also said an update will be available on the program site later Wednesday and applicants will be contacted directly. We're going to have to basically ask everyone what they've been doing so far. So every parent that has been approved or had a pending application will be contacted. The board also moved to suspend consideration of any new Hope Scholarship application requests for the duration of the 2022-23 school year with an exception for newly eligible students as already defined in the board's existing emergency rules. This will allow board staff to focus on the implementation issues needed to get the HOPE Scholarship Program completely up and running for the students and families who have already been approved or who are in process. The HOPE Scholarship Board is expected to meet again in November. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. Amendment 4 on the November 8th ballot will give the legislature authority to review all rules and policies set by the State Board of Education. Randy Yowie talked with two West Virginia teachers who both hold positions of power and have very different views on the amendment. Every West Virginia State Department and agency must submit its rules to the Legislative Rulemaking Review Committee, except for the Board of Education. 
The Constitution currently allows the Board of Education independence, giving it general supervision of the free schools of the state. But it also states the Board shall perform such duties as may be prescribed by law. Amber McCoy teaches fourth grade at Kellogg Elementary. She's the president of Wayne County's teacher organization and an officer with the West Virginia Education Association. McCoy says it will be detrimental to allow legislators to dictate what happens in her classroom. We haven't had a whole lot of success dealing with the legislature um, with regards to public schools in recent years. They, they don't seem to have the, the best interests of our, our students at heart. I feel like this is just a political power grab, just another way to put a toehold on public education in our state. Senator Amy Grady, a Republican from Mason County, is a fourth grade teacher at Leon Elementary and the new chair of the Senate Education Committee. Grady says she wasn't sure how she felt about Amendment 4, so she asked her constituents from both parties their feelings. She determined that legislative oversight was the opposite of a power grab. I think it puts more pressure on legislators. I don't think that it's a power grab. I don't think that it's a it's something that necessarily most legislators would want. Um, because it's too easy to say, well, we can't do anything about that. That's a policy decision. You know, it's it's too easy to say that, and this this would cut that out. You absolutely could not say, well, I can't do anything about that. It's a policy decision. You actually could be forced to do something about it. Grady says right now the Board of Education is like a fourth branch of government, and that's not how it's supposed to work. If you look at every other agency or every other state agency that we have in West Virginia, the legislature does approve rules or policies. The State Board of Education, Department of Education is totally different. We, we, we don't. They make up their own. There's no oversight. There's no accountability. These are people who aren't elected by the people. McCoy says the state constitution provides the necessary Board of Education oversight. I mean, there is a reason that um, the members are appointed by the governor and confirmed by the Senate. That is their oversight, in my opinion. Um, and the fact that we can't have more than five members belonging to the same political party, I think that that sends the message that um, they they knew that there might be need to protect the educational system um, from political power plays. Grady says legislative educational review will give school personnel with grievances a more open avenue of redress. I'm not saying that they don't get heard or that nobody listens, but they can they can literally say, I don't like this, and if it's not changed, then I'm going to hold you accountable. I believe they would have more of one now, you know, with, with this, because, because, again, speaking to that accountability piece, you can directly speak to someone who can oversee or approve the rules and policies. McCoy says there are already appropriate channels of redress. She's never heard anything to the contrary and believes more legislative control would mean less classroom freedom. That's probably going to be the end of public education as we know it. Um, It's no secret that they have a real agenda so far as... um, funneling money to homeschool and and private schools, uh, the Hope Scholarship, um, all of all of these different things that have been introduced in in recent years, um, you know that that takes a cut from the, the public schools. I mean, the money comes from somewhere. Grady says her commitment as Senate Education Committee Chair is to students, teachers, and the classroom. Both of these fourth grade instructors ask voters to study Amendment 4, research all sides, and decide what's best for the children of West Virginia. 
For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Randy Yowie in Charleston. This is West Virginia Morning. I'm Teresa Wills. It's 751. Rain and thunderstorms today with gusty wind, high temperatures in the 60s. Tonight, clear skies with lows in the 30s and 40s. Sunshine tomorrow with highs in the 50s and 60s. Support for the weather forecast is provided by the attorneys at Torres Save a Law, representing firefighters, police officers, and West Virginia families. Information at TorresSaveAlaw.com. The pandemic changed the ways people work. Over the past year, Ascend West Virginia has taken advantage of that change to attract remote workers to the state. In the next installment of our series on tourism, Chris Schultz reports on the remote work program's impact. Two years ago, Jordan Hyde didn't think much of West Virginia. But that isn't to say she had a low opinion of the state. I just didn't really have a perception of West Virginia. Like, I hadn't heard much about it, didn't know anyone from here, had never been. So when Hyde told her friends and family last year that she was planning on moving to West Virginia from Iowa, where she lived for the past 10 years, there was a bit of confusion. They are kind of like, why do you want to go out there? Like, there's nothing there. And it's like, well, it sounds like a fun adventure. Hyde is a member of Ascend West Virginia, a remote work and talent recruitment program founded by former Intuit CEO and president of Marshall University, Brad Smith, and Alice Smith. The program aims to attract workers with existing jobs to move to the state and create a base of skilled employees that will then attract larger business investment. It's a reverse of the traditional model of attracting businesses. The program offers workers with remote jobs incentives to move. Those incentives are estimated to have a value of $20,000 and include $12,000 paid directly to the worker, access to a free co-work space, and a year of free outdoor recreation. Fifty people were selected for the first group of participants, called a cohort, in Morgantown. In August, applications closed for the program's second cohort in the Greenbrier Valley. Hyde says she's always been inclined to the outdoors, and the outdoor incentives only help cement her choice. She says she looked at other programs such as Tulsa Remote in Oklahoma, but ultimately West Virginia's beauty won her over. I think that was kind of the initial hook, but just like looking more into West Virginia, I'd never been to West Virginia and it was very new to me. I've never lived in the mountains. Again, I'm from the Midwest, so it was just exciting and beautiful as we were looking into it is like just breathtaking. And Hyde isn't keeping the discovery to herself. It is a ripple effect. Other friends and family, my boyfriend's aunt and uncle that are coming, have kind of seen our parents and their experience here. And they're like, oh man, I want to get out there and see what it's all about and visit them. So I think the tone has definitely changed for the better. Paris Winfrey is the experience coordinator for Ascend's Morgantown cohort. He says that Hyde's experience of winning over skeptical friends and relatives is not unique. That is is one of many stories of, of people who have brought 
their loved ones and their families here. The lack of actual experience in West Virginia is the big barrier. Once you come and experience West Virginia, it makes sense. It clicks and immediately clicks. You see the kindness in the people. You see the beauty and nature and it all makes sense. Like why someone would want to live here and why someone would want to come and recreate and, and be a part of this. Winfrey, who helps to send cohort members make use of their outdoor benefits and plan excursions around the state, says he's also seen a lot of in-state tourism from the group. They're really interested to know Appalachia and really interested to know West Virginians. A lot of other people externally try to tell our story, but there are a lot of people who are now interested in coming here to actually hear our story from us, which I think is a unique position that that West Virginia hasn't been in for a long time. West Virginia Secretary of Tourism Chelsea Ruby says that from the outset, Ascend leaders knew there would be an added benefit of cohort members attracting other people to the state, which is why her office got involved. The scale, however, has come as a surprise. We knew that that would happen. We knew there would be spouses, there would be partners, there would be children. But I don't think what we calculated was the mother-in-law, the aunt, the great aunt, you know, the uncles, the friends, the others that are, are coming along with them. Ruby says surveys and studies her office has conducted bear out Hyde's experience. Negative public perception isn't what's holding West Virginia back when it comes to tourism. We find that people who are exposed to our ads have a different perception of West Virginia. Not because they necessarily had a bad perception before, but because they had no perception. They weren't thinking about West Virginia. We weren't on their radar as a place to visit or a place to live. Ascend worked closely with the state's tourism office from the onset, hoping to change, or some might argue create, external perceptions of the state. All the things that make West Virginia a great place to visit also make it a great place to live. If you think back to the governor's inaugural address, he talked in that about how we need to change our state's image. We need to change the way the outside world thinks of West Virginia. And I'm proud to say that I think five years later, we've really started to do that. One of the biggest criticisms of Ascend is that it's prioritized and paid non-West Virginians to come to the state rather than doing the same to help native residents stay. According to the 2020 census, West Virginia experienced the largest population loss in the country, as 3.2% of the state's residents left. Winfrey himself left the state and the country for several years before returning for his job with Ascend. The solution can be one of two things. Either you bring new people in, or you keep people from from leaving. This is not the one solution to fix anything. But we talked about a lot about changing the narrative of the state. When we opened up our application, we had 10,000 people fill out an application and say, I want to move to West Virginia. That's that's huge, right? That is against the trends that we were heading towards. The Ascend West Virginia program continues to expand as another cohort moves into the Greenbrier Valley, and applicants are chosen for the program's third cohort in the Eastern Panhandle. The hope is that each group will continue what Morgantown started and keep spreading the good word about West Virginia across the country. For West Virginia Public Broadcasting, I'm Chris Schultz in Morgantown. That was the third story in our radio series, Country Roads, the Mountain State Tourism Economy. Tune in every morning through next week to hear a new story on tourism and the challenges that come with it. Or visit our website to listen to stories you may have missed. (laughs) 
West Virginia Morning is a production of West Virginia Public Broadcasting, which is solely responsible for its content. You can keep up with the latest West Virginia news throughout the day on our website, wvpublic.org. Support for our news bureaus comes from West Virginia University, Concord University, and Shepherd University. Eric Douglas is our news director, and he produced today's show. I'm your host, Teresa Wills. This is West Virginia Morning.